welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good morning. Uh, it's good to uh, be able to be together this morning and be able to worship together. You can find your place in Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> we are finishing up our mini-series here out of Luke <clears throat> concerning the, uh, uh, the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. This morning, we are looking <clears throat> at chapter 24, uh, beginning in verse 13. <clears throat> the the post-resurrection appearances of Christ really identify a problem that the disciples of Christ had. It wasn't a new problem. Uh, it was there before, but now it's really coming into focus. It's coming, you could say, to a climax. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to challenge them. He's going to address this problem very specifically as he <clears throat> uh, begins to appear to them after, after the, uh, the resurrection. And he identifies the problem in our text <clears throat> as being slow of heart to believe. And he specifically says all that the prophets had spoken. <clears throat> and as we read these historical accounts of the, of the disciples of Jesus, we, we easily shake our heads and wonder why they were so slow to believe and to understand the scriptures and what Jesus had told them. And it's, it's easy for us to examine them and not examine our own hearts and our own lives. The reality is that we are just like them. We have the same problem of being blind to our own sin, slow to believe and apply God's word to our own lives. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 13, we have the, the, the appearance of Christ to two travelers on the road to Emmaus. And it's, it's one of those uh, well-known passages in scriptures and well-loved passages, uh, maybe, maybe because we can identify with these two travelers. They... Um, uh, we only have the, the name of the one, Cleopas, and the other, other traveler remains unknown. It's normally assumed that there was two men traveling, but it's, it's possible it could have, could have been Cleopas' wife, for all we know. It doesn't, scripture doesn't tell us. But <clears throat> that it was um, of the disciples of Christ. Look with me in your Bibles, uh, chapter 24. We're just going to read together. <clears throat> Uh, if you follow from verse 13, it says that very day. Now, this is the, the first day of the week, the, the, the day of the, the resurrection. It says that very day, two of them, referring to the disciples, uh, and not of the, not of the 11 uh, disciples, but of the, the, the larger group that's a, that were following Christ and were with the other disciples. It says, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, that's, uh, that's about 11 kilometers for us. And so they would have been traveling down from Jerusalem 
towards the coast, we believe, where Emmaus was located. <clears throat> and this would have been about a two-hour normal kind of walking pace. It says in verse 14, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And so Jesus wasn't ready for them to recognize him yet at this stage. And so he, he uh, prevents them from being able to recognize him because he wants to, um, he wants to engage them as a stranger. <clears throat> Verse 17, And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. This question so surprised them that they stopped walking and just let their face reveal their sadness, their confusion over what had taken place. And then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? That verse is filled with irony as you think about it. Here is uh, these men addressing and, and <clears throat> making this statement to the, to the only one who fully knew what had taken place with uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection, uh, the very Lord himself. Verse 19, and he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and to, be, and to crucify him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. You can hear in that statement their discouragement, their, their sense of loss and sense of hopelessness. Notice he puts hope in the past tense. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. And moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and when they did not find the body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who, were, who went with us, uh, sorry, uh, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And so in verse 25, Jesus says, to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, 
Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Let's pray again. Father, we come before you this morning and before your word, and we pray that you would, as you did for these disciples, open their eyes and open their hearts to receive your word, to hear your word. Uh, Father, I pray that you might be exalted and that you might accomplish your purpose this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing I want us to notice this morning is the, the problem uh, of disbelief and the, the result of discouragement and confusion that it caused in the disciples' lives. Jesus said in verse 25, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And by that statement, he's referring to the Old Testament scriptures that they had as the Lord had made revelation of his word through the prophets. Jesus had told them also what was going to happen to him. And it seems as if the disciples just blocked that out of their minds. They either didn't understand or didn't want to understand when Jesus began talking to them about what was going to happen. <clears throat> we call it selective hearing. And my wife would tell you that I'm an expert at it. <laughs> I've become very skilled if I'm especially if I'm watching a, a, a sports program on TV or something and I can just close out what everybody else is saying, everything else is happening around me. Well, for that reason, we do have to be careful when we come to the scriptures and ask the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, uh, to help us to see and to understand what God is saying. And not just, not just see the parts that we like or the parts that we, we can relate to or that we, we want the Scriptures to say, but also every other part of Scripture, as, as Jesus uh, spoke to these disciples concerning all that the prophets have spoken, all of God's Word. <clears throat> One writer has said, <clears throat> human knowledge must be understood to be believed. But divine knowledge must be believed to be understood. And there's uh, some truth to that, isn't there? That when we come to God's word, we must come in faith because it is God's revelation to us. And as we come in faith, we, there may be many parts that we don't understand, but the, but the Lord enables us. He, he helps us and equips us to understand his word. If you, if you have your Bibles, turn back to Mark chapter 8. Hold your place in Luke. We're going to come back there. But I want you to see, uh, as Jesus prepared his disciples for what was going to happen, um, we see in Mark on three specific occasions, and then, and then you have the, the upper room where Jesus speaks to them again. But here in Mark, going back earlier, in chapter 8 from verse 31, 
says that, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. In other words, it, his words were not veiled or hidden. It was very clear what was going to happen. And it continues there in the scripture and says, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. In other words, Peter, if you, if you go back in that context, Peter had just given this wonderful testimony concerning who the Lord was. And the Lord had enabled Peter, Jesus said, to, uh, to understand this truth of who Christ was. But now when Christ speaks of his suffering and death and resurrection, Peter doesn't, he doesn't want to accept that. He, 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 he tells Jesus, no, you mustn't talk like that. That doesn't fit the plan. You see, Peter and the other disciples, and really the Jewish um, nation as a whole, had an idea about what the Messiah would be and what he would do when he came. And Jesus, this talk just wasn't quite fitting in with that plan. And, and don't we have those kind of things in our life sometimes? We have plans the way we think God should be doing something, the way things should be going. And when it doesn't match what our plan was, we begin to think God has somehow failed us. He somehow let down His part. And so we need to, we need to listen to what the Lord is telling us here this morning and be able to see that uh, we have to mold our plans around the Lord's plans for us what he's revealed to us. Jesus tells Peter that uh, his mind are on earthly things, uh, thing, things of man, not the things of God. And so uh, that's the reason he wasn't able to believe. He wasn't hearing. Go, turn over to chapter 9 in Mark, in verse 30. It says, They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples and saying to them, The Son of Man, that's another uh, title for Christ, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And, he, and when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. And it says, But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. <laughs> Again, they, they just couldn't couldn't get a hold of that, and they didn't really want to know what he meant. They were, afraid to, they were afraid to ask. And so we see then the next thing that Mark records is that the disciples are arguing about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And so they just put that, let that just roll off of them like water off a duck's back, and they were just not giving it any thought. And now they're, again, worried about who's going to have prominence in the kingdom. Again, over in chapter 10 of Mark, in verse 32, he tells them again what's going to happen. 
But we see there James and John are, again, concerned about the, their position in the kingdom. And so these, these disciples, they were just not hearing what Christ was saying to them. Go back to our text in Luke 24. You see there from verse 19 down through 24 where Cleopas gives uh, the explanation of the things that had been happening that these disciples are still thinking about a physical redemption, a physical deliverance of uh, the nation. And uh, for them, because now Christ didn't, it didn't work out like they thought it was, their hope is dashed. They, they said, we had hoped. And these, uh, these disciples, because they did not believe all of the scripture uh, they were now in this state of confusion and, and they felt like uh, that the plan of god somehow had been now ruined you see if they had believed all of the scripture they would have been in a position to hear christ's words to understand his warnings and his comfort as he as he says to them let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me but now their hearts are troubled. If they had believed all of, all of the word of God and had been open to um, hearing what they did not want to hear, then they would have had grace from God to, to live in the expectation of the resurrection and would have been ready uh, to believe when they heard the report from the women when, that Christ was risen. They would have been there in expectation. And so we see that they were not able to understand the bigger picture of what God was doing uh, because they were really focused on the immediate situation. And that's just like us, isn't it? When things happen in our lives, and it's easy for us to lose the big picture of what, who God is and, and what He is doing. We get, we get so focused on our immediate problem in Luke 24, verse 26, again, Jesus says, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? You see, Christ is expecting them to answer, Yes, it was necessary. It was, it was the word of God. It was prophesied. It was told. It was exactly what was necessary to happen. Well, we see... The answer that Jesus gives to them is the answer to their problem. It's the answer to our problem. It's the Word of God. It's the enlightenment that comes to us through the Word of God. Notice verse 27. He says, In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, this is again another way of designating the Old Testament Scriptures, Moses and the prophets. He interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't you like to have been there on the, on the road walking and hearing Jesus as he walks them through the Old Testament Scriptures in light of himself and showing how that the Old Testament Scriptures speak of him. And we're really moving through God's redemptive plan culminating in the death and resurrection of Christ to, to save us, to redeem us. 
And uh, that would have been a, a wonderful, um, wonderful message to hear from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see in that statement that there is a, a centrality uh, in the Scripture uh, of Christ. And the Old Testament Scriptures lead us to see Christ. And as we, as we look at the Scriptures, we, we see in the writings of, of Acts and the, in the letters to the churches in the New Testament, we, we see this all centered around the good news, the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ and what He accomplished for us. And we see this, this look forward into the final culmination of, of, of what God has planned to redeem us and to bring all things under, uh, under His rule. And uh, that all happens because of Christ. And so it's a, it's a wonderful um, reminder that as we, as we look to God's Word, that we should, we should keep in mind the big picture. As we look at a particular verse, remember there's a bigger context to that verse. There's a, there's, there's a paragraph there. There's a chapter there. There's a book there. And, and we can't forget there's a whole Bible there that is moving in a direction uh, that God has planned. And so we see the redemption that is planned in Christ as we look to the Word of God. Jesus says, was it, not, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? Yes, it was absolutely necessary. We don't have the exposition that Jesus gave. Uh, the Lord didn't record for us what Jesus told them on the road there. But what we do have is the completed Word of God. We have the Scriptures. We have the, the Old Testament Scriptures that Jesus was teaching from. And, and we have the indwelling Holy Spirit of God who is with us to, to help us and to enable us that we might be able to see and understand what is there in the Old Testament as it points to Christ. We could imagine what Jesus um, talked about, some of the high points at least, that He may have uh, spoke to them about. We don't know how long he walked with them on that journey. Maybe he was there with them for almost the whole two hours or maybe for only an hour. We, we're not sure, but uh, Jesus could have covered a lot of territory in that time, explaining to them how that the scriptures were, um, were, were speaking of him. And uh, we see, maybe he went back to Genesis chapter 3, in verse 15, it would have been a good place to start where we see there as after the, the sin of Adam and Eve and, and uh, the Lord pronounces judgment, or the curse, and he's speaking here in verse 15 to Satan. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And so he's talking about this offspring or seed of the woman. He, he's not talking about the, the offspring in general, but a very specific one that would come, and he, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there is this enmity between Satan and, and uh, his offspring, spiritually speaking, those that follow him, the demons and the Antichrist, and all that would oppose the work of God, there is this opposition 
They're at enmity with, against one another. Notice he says, and he, uh, the, the, the offspring, the one to come, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. If you can picture someone um, stomping their foot on a, the, the head of a snake and uh, killing that snake, but in the process, bruising their heel. Well, that's the image you have here, spiritually speaking. Although Christ died on the cross, um, it, it accomplished the purpose of God to defeat Satan. Satan um, received a mortal blow there on the cross, and uh, he's defeated. He's a defeated foe, although he still has a time and space to work against God and work against us. His ultimate defeat is already established at the cross. In Christ there, though he suffered and died physically, it was, a, it was like a spiritual bruise to him because there he won the victory for us, dying in our place. Well, no, no doubt Christ <clears throat> began there. And, and no doubt he also um, talked to him about the Abrahamic covenant. That was so big in the Jewish mind that Abraham, the covenant God gave with him. He probably explained, no doubt, to them how that uh, the seed that was promised or the offspring um, that was promised in the Abraham to Abraham in the covenant there that was given, that he would bless all nations. He says this seed or this offspring will bless all nations. And uh, Paul in, in Galatians chapter 3, he's going to develop that theme and show us how that, that's, that seed singular or that offspring is speaking of Christ. Also, the law, it's a big portion of the Old Testament writings of Moses, giving of the law, and no doubt Christ would have shown them how that the, the law wasn't given to make them righteous, but to show them their sinfulness and show them their need for a Messiah, a, a Redeemer. And uh, he, Paul, again, in Galatians, is going to, to show how that Christ is the fulfillment of that law and that the law was like a schoolmaster to lead the people to see Christ and the need for Christ. And uh, no doubt in all of those, uh, uh, many of the, you know, the sacrifices, they're all uh, pointing to Christ. They were shadows of, of the, the body to come of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were images and types of of Christ, and they're all pointed to Him. And then, then no doubt, he, he looked at some direct prophecies that were given, like like Isaiah 53, the whole chapter speaking of the uh, of the the suffering and death of Christ, and how that uh, is very clear and very specific. The New Testament will will go back and quote from that chapter to to show that this is God's plan. This is what God had intended. And then in our text, uh, in Luke uh, 24, verse 32, the men say, after Jesus disappears out of their sight, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road 
and while he opened to us the scripture. You see, the Lord had um, put hope back in their heart because they, he opened their, he opened their, their eyes and their hearts to, to see God's word and how that, yes, these things must have happened. Christ must have suffered and died and, and rose again just as the word had prophesied. That word there that he uses, Luke uses, opened, opened to us the scriptures. It can be translated open as in literally opening something or figuratively opening something like opening the scripture. It's also translated as explain or interpret. And so this is the idea. It's not used many times in scripture. Luke uh, uses it seven of eight times, I believe. And then there's, I think, five times he uses it in this figurative sense. And uh, three of them right here in this text. Um, in verse uh, 32, he opens the scripture. In verse 31, the men say, open their eyes to know him. Uh, in other words, they, uh, they were able to, to now see that this was the Christ that they had been talking to. The Lord opened their eyes to, to see and then verse 45 later when he's Jesus is with the larger group of disciples he opens their minds to understand the scriptures let's go look at that and this is in still in chapter 24 and this is later <clears throat> that night that same night when uh, Jesus is with the uh, the 11 and the others uh, disciples <clears throat> from verse 44 let's read together uh, then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So there's another way of referring to the Old Testament, the, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. He said, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so we see that the result for these disciples is that the Lord, when he opened the, the scriptures to their minds, that they were able to believe and to see that they, they again had hope for the future. Their, light, their eyes were open to the reality. And it's the same thing that happens when, a, when, when an unsaved person comes to the word of God and the, and the spirit of God opens their eyes and their minds to see the scriptures that they they come in faith believing they re, they repent in other words they they acknowledge that they're lost just as the scripture says they've stopped with saying well i can try this and i can be good and i can i can you know earn my way or, or i can be righteous enough and my good will hopefully outweigh my bad they put aside all of that repent of that kind of thinking and believe that the lord jesus christ is who he claimed to be and come in faith to Him. That's how we begin. That's how we begin. And as, 
as we continue in our, in our Christian life, uh, immediately upon salvation, there is this sense of joy, isn't there, of what the Lord has done for us. And, and the, the, the result that we, that we just naturally have is a desire to tell somebody about what the Lord has done for us. And the Lord makes us witnesses of this good news. And this is something that God does within us. It's, it's by His power, the power of His Spirit. You see, the, the Jews in general, the nation of the Jews, and they, they really had two major blind spots as it comes to God's plan. The first was that He would be a suffering Messiah, that He would suffer and die. That was just not uh, in their thinking. It was, they were blinded to that. They were looking for a physical redeemer, somebody to deliver them physically as a nation. And uh, even, even, the faithful, even the faithful Jews who recognized their need for spiritual deliverance could not see um, the prophecy and understand the prophecy related to it, the suffering and death of the Messiah. A second blind spot they had was God's plan for salvation, not just of the Jewish nation, but of all nations. And so we, we see that Christ is opening their understanding. Look again at uh, verse 46. And here in Luke, he says, Luke 24, verse 46, he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And so the Lord is turning now their focus from themselves as individuals, their own situation, the nation, the Jews. And he's giving them a heart and a, and a vision for all nations, all peoples, the Gentiles, these um, even the, the Jewish leaders that there were their enemies, the, uh, the, the other peoples that they really considered to be outside of God's love. And he's now changing their perspective. And that's what the Lord does for us when he, when he fills our hearts with the good news of Christ. He puts within us a desire to tell others. A desire to be witnesses of Him. The Spirit of God accomplishes this work. You go back to verse 32 and verse 33. You'll see when, when, uh, when the, the Lord opened their eyes, when they were breaking bread, and they recognized Christ for who He was, and then He was gone. They couldn't wait until morning to go tell the others. Uh, the Bible says that the same hour they returned to Jerusalem. Now, just to give you a little perspective, uh, that 11 kilometers is about the same as from going from here down to Big Bay, walking. <laughs> uh, and uh, when they got there, it was, as the text says, it was already late in the, in the evening. In other words, it wasn't really safe to be walking about at night. Um, but they can't wait. Till, till tomorrow, tomorrow. They can't wait till morning to go tell the disciples what had happened. They, they leave that same night and go back. They probably made the trip in half the time from when they came. 
when, when they when they came, while they were they're going down down the mountain when they came. When they went back, they were going up back up to Jerusalem, but I still think they had a whole new perspective, didn't they? They had joy in their heart and they had a, a quick step, and they were eager to go back and tell what had happened. And as we see in the book of Acts, this is this is what happens. The, the Spirit of God empowered these disciples to be witnesses to them. And, and witnessing and telling about Jesus and the good news wasn't just a duty, something that they felt like they had to do. No, it was something that they uh, couldn't wait but to, to tell. There's a joy in that. In verse 48 and 49, Jesus says, You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. That promise there that he's speaking of is the Holy Spirit that had been promised. The Holy Spirit would, would not just come upon them as, as he had before for the moment, but he was now going to dwell in them and remain with them and uh, enable them to be witnesses. And he says, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is what Luke repeats in Acts chapter 1. In verse 8, where he says the, that uh, when the Spirit of God comes upon them, they, they will have power uh, to be witnesses. And he says, you will be my witnesses. In other words, it will happen. It's a natural thing for the believer who's, who who's, has the Word of God in their heart and he's a new awareness of what God has done for us and yielded to the Spirit of God we just want to tell what God has done. And so the answer to our discouragement and disbelief is spending time with Christ and His Word, allowing His grace and power to enable us to be quick to believe, quick to trust the Lord. See, the Christ is here with us in the person of the Spirit of God to, to fellowship with us, to instruct us, to encourage us. Verse 28, when Jesus arrived in the village with the two disciples, he, he says his goodbye as if he's continuing on his way. But these two men, they wouldn't hear of it. I mean, it was a, it was, it was a cultural norm to, uh, uh, to, to be a, a good host. But these men... For them, it was more than just being polite or following cultural norms. Verse 29 says, But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. That, that word there translated, urged him strongly, is, is communicating this word that, uh, that means to prevail. Uh, the King James translate constrained. In other words, they weren't taking no for an answer. They were saying, no, 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 you're staying with us. You see, the Lord had warmed their hearts, opened to them the Scriptures, and they wanted more. They wanted more fellowship with the Christ. That they, This person, they didn't know yet it was the Christ, but they recognized Him as a teacher, someone who knew God's Word and was opening to them the Word of God and they wanted more of that. 
You see, as we spend time with the Lord in prayer and his word, he creates in, in us a hunger for more. It's the way it works. We don't always have this desire. Sometimes we feel tired. We feel, we feel exhausted maybe, or we just don't feel spiritual. We don't really want to, to read the Bible. We don't really want to pray. But as we do, God warms our heart, doesn't he? He creates in us a desire for him, a desire for fellowship with him. He invites us to open our heart's door to him. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. There's the invitation. It's an invitation to us who know him to open our hearts to him, to believe read his word to allow the spirit of god to open our minds to know him to understand him that drives out the discouragement that drives out the sense of loss the sense of uh, despair and it gives us a perspective of what god is doing in our lives and if you're here this morning and you don't know the lord is your savior that imitation of the lord is there for you to open your heart to him, to receive him, to turn to him in faith, believing what he had done for you on the cross so that you could be forgiven. Let's close in prayer. Father, we rejoice this morning in who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you, Father, that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ came in fulfillment of Scripture according to your plan, that he suffered and died and rose again for us so that we could come in faith, believing, be forgiven, have eternal life with the Lord, to be in Christ. And Father, we rejoice in that this morning and thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. Cause us, Lord, to, to go forth in that victory and in that joy this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.